submit it to you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. See Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus name Tie kaloro talaratata tie kaloro bahaya Tie loro bokosha sahaya Tie kie kaloro bokosha satahaya Hallelujah 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 Jesus Jesus, hallelujah. Ba kolorobo kosha satahaya. Tie kalorotalaratatahaya. Tie la robo kosha sahaya. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ita babo kosha katahaya. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, My, 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 my. <laughs> come on, come on, it's good. Let's go farther. 
Let's bring our minds and our spirits to service. I know you're tired. You've done really good this week. But come on, let's, let's, don't, let's don't waste this service. Let's go a little farther. Come on. Let's let the Spirit help us get in tune. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. My, 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 my. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Tie ka alaratahaya. Yela bahaya la ratatatakahaya. Ilo robo koshasatatahaya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 In the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. Come on, just a little bit farther. It's just a little bit farther. Come on. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. Praise God. I need the following people on the platform uh, now, please. Brother Schoonover, Brother Dobbs, Brother Dylan, uh, Brother... Uh, Joel Wright, Mike Hughes, Stu Mott, David Wright. Uh, and each got Shelton, but he's out. Somebody would like to let him know that he is being summoned. I have three wired mics. I have five bi wireless mics. Uh, you guys can work it out which one's going to get what. When the time comes to pray, the eight of you will be leading this prayer. Hallelujah. So it might be really good to get into. So again, I got five wired. I got five wireless, three wired. Okay? All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, in case you're not aware, uh, five of these are senior staff of Antioch and three are members of our external board of trustees. And uh, this is what the Holy Ghost told me to do, so that's what we're going to do. 
I am going to minister until it is time. And it doesn't matter what point in time that is, where I am in the teaching, we're going to pray at that moment. You can come and share what you gave to me. What you... Right now, yes. Right now. I felt this several times, and I kept kind of seeing where it would lead. And this night, tonight on the way, I felt it very strongly, and so I gave it to the bishop to let him just feel it out and discern it. I really, the Lord spoke to me that there's going to be a come a point in time somewhere tonight that there, for lack of a better term, can't think of a better way to describe it, there's going to be a portal that opens. And that portal that opens is going to bring a supernatural baptism. That supernatural baptism is going to open up a window of victory for your cities and for your giants. That when you leave here, you will leave here with that supernatural baptism. But I felt like also that within that, those that hold themselves back or those who have a wait-and-see mentality, the Lord said that if you wait, then I will send you back to the wilderness for another season of testing, another season of proving. But for those that would open up the Spirit, this season of testing is over. And I'm opening up a season of victory, of supernatural manifestation, and I will birth it in your spirit, and it will begin tonight.
You may be seated, Jesus' name. Now, it would help if three of you decided you were going to the wireless mics so the other five could just grab those. Yeah, okay, the three on the front row. Not now, but when it's time. You can, you know, just move over there, grab those three, and then you guys can do the wire, uh, the wired. I mean, the wireless. Okay. No, they can come over here and get them because I'm going to spread them all, spread everybody out across here. Okay. I, I have waited on the Lord for this lesson. I have all of them, but I have for this one because there's so many different ways to go to this. Tonight, the lesson is defeating the gates of hell. That was what he gave me some time ago, and he fine-tuned it as far as direction for tonight, coming all the way down through here. And uh, I got about 150 pages of Scripture. I, I'm, I don't mean that. I'm just stating a fact. Okay. There's, so there's several different directions I could go. I could just go through Scripture and whatever, but that's not what I feel at all. Uh, in fact, I may not directly quote any scripture. Um, 
my wife and I drove into town on the uh, 12th of September, 1970. It was the uh, Saturday after Labor Day. The Lord had been dealing with me ever since I was officially retired from the Navy on the 1st of December, the previous year, December 1st of December 69. I was officially medically retired because of a paralyzed right shoulder blade. And uh, the first weekend of January, the Lord opened doors and we began to evangelize and it was my intent to evangelize for uh, at least 10 years. I loved it. But the Lord, about halfway through the eight months that we, a little over eight months we evangelized, uh, he began to deal with me about starting a church. Well, I had spent four very lonely years here by myself. I didn't know any other apostolic in the area. I was required to go to the chapel services. Uh, experienced a lot of persecution. And because I didn't do stuff other people did, sat in the dorm during Liberty Hours a lot of lonely nights. And this is the last place on earth I wanted to come. The first place I tried to go was Key West. Literally, because that's as far as I could get from here and still be on the East Coast. Very long story made short, I didn't last 24 hours in Key West. The Lord made sure that it was so oppressive to my spirit, the sooner I could get out of there, the better. The next place we tried to go, and this was 1970, and the doors were wide open. We preached for a church in Fruitland Park, Florida, which was a suburb of Orlando. And the pastor was a, a, an older man, and he was very kind and immediately picked up that I was feeling the burden to start a church. I preached for him two weeks, and every day he and I drove and drove all over that area to see if I felt something. And much to my dismay, I did not. I left there and went to Greenville, South Carolina to preach, and I should have given the man his money back because every day when I was supposed to be praying to get the mind of God for service that night, all I could do was wrestle with God about not coming here. And it was almost the full two weeks before finally one day in the church by myself, I finally said, okay, I'll go, but just for three years. Forty-five years later. And uh, the moment I surrendered, I had a vision of a large white church building on a four-lane highway just outside the city limits of Annapolis. And this is not that building. It has not been built yet. I told the pastor, we shut the revival down on Sunday night. The next day was Labor Day. 
Uh, I left my car there. We had a little Volkswagen van. We had a combi van that we had purchased for Sunday school while we worked in the church in Pensacola while I was in flight training. And to go evangelizing, I sold it to my dad. I called him. I said, I'd like to get that van back. No problem. So he left our car in Greenville, which is almost exactly halfway between Pensacola and here, and rode a local bus. Took 24 hours to go 500 miles. It stopped so many places. And we rode all day Labor Day. Left after church Sunday night and got into Pensacola Monday evening. Spent a day or two with my wife, when my dad got the van, got our stuff that he had and put in the van and drove over to uh, Pascagoula, Mississippi, where my in-laws were, and picked up what little bit of furniture or stuff we had over there and finished up that Volkswagen van and drove that Volkswagen that would do 65 miles an hour downhill fully loaded and 40 miles an hour up any kind of hill at all. And this is September, and the air conditioner worked good because the windows would roll down. (laughs) So we drove that together back to Greenville, and then the last 500 miles here, I'm 24, she's 19. Uh, She drove the car, I drove the van. And we came in here on 12th of September. We were, it took, uh, we rented a little out of season summer cottage for $50 a week, which was a lot of money. And, uh, took a month to be able to, six weeks actually get any kind of job. And, uh, because I didn't want to make a commitment, I, uh, would not make a commitment so they would use my degree. So I got a job working, uh, operating a hickory handle backhoe, better known as a shovel, literally in ditches for $3 an hour. My wife got a minimum wage job being a clerk at the Navy Exchange for $1.65 an hour. And uh, I went from cockpits to a ditch. If you don't think the devil reminded me of that many, many, many days, then you don't know the devil. So it took it took a long time, and uh, we had friends in Virginia, and they agreed, and some others, and we had our first service, the first uh, Saturday night of December. We'd been in town several months, and. Uh, they were kind enough. They pe- folks gave in an offering, and uh, before we could get it in the bank, it was stolen off my dresser while we were at work on Monday. True, absolute true. We didn't have any more services till the first weekend of April. We didn't know anybody. We started having services, knocking doors. People started coming. Nobody was getting the Holy Ghost. Couldn't get anybody to pray through. Nothing was happening. 
as I have said before, I received the Holy Ghost in a church in Jacksonville, Florida, while my dad was stationed there, that the altar workers were all young people. It was the only church I've ever been in like it in my life. The adults sat back, let the young people do all the praying in the altar. So I got the Holy Ghost on one Sunday night, and I was in the altar praying with people to receive the Holy Ghost the next Sunday night. So we were there two more years after I got the Holy Ghost, and by the time I left there, I had prayed my first five people through the Holy Ghost by the time I was 14, a little over 14. So from that point on, I, I had no doubt I could pray with people and they'd get the Holy Ghost. We evangelized and prayed people through, go places. We'd pick the chronic seeker, and that's the one we would pray for first. No matter if it was six months or 30 years they had been seeking Pray them through. So we'd go from there. We came here, and nobody's getting the Holy Ghost. My wife met a lady on in the exchange. She turned out to be a Marine's uh, wife, and they were from Missouri, and she was supposed to be saved, and he was backslid. So these are Pentecostals. And we couldn't get him prayed through. Finally, we went to a rally in Baltimore, prayed through easy there, but couldn't pray any, couldn't pray through here. Had a lady that wanted the Holy Ghost, prayed, prayed, couldn't get her prayed through. Took her to a seminar on how to receive the Holy Ghost in Virginia. She got the Holy Ghost that night, but nobody got the Holy Ghost in our building. I had listened to a tape by Brother Cole about when they went to Thailand, and I think it was like something, 450 Trinitarian preachers plus many, many, a couple thousand people they had prayed. They had baptized in Jesus' name, and nobody had gotten the Holy Ghost. And they asked the Lord why, and he said, you haven't defeated the prince of Thailand. Brother Cole's given this testimony, and they fasted, prayed seven days, and bound the prince of Thailand. And the next meeting, they had all those people got the Holy Ghost. That's his testimony. I didn't know anything else to do. Never heard anything like it in my life. Went and looked in the book. Looked like it was in the book to me. So the last week of November of 1971, we, we prayed and fasted seven days, straight through seven days, prayed every night. And on the not, last night, there was a, a move of the presence of God came on me. And I said stuff I didn't even know. I bound the prince of Annapolis and commanded him to Loose the people of this area that they might be saved. I prayed against the blindness on their eyes. I loosed the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost to go throughout this area and gather together a harvest for the name of the Lord. I loosed the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Now, I never heard anything like that in my entire life. And Brother Cole didn't say anything like that in the tape. The next service was the first weekend, first Sunday of December. We prayed through three and it was so easy, I, I was a little leery of it. And by the time December was over with, we had prayed through 11 people and nine were baptized. And the last two of those were brother and sister Ron Libby. And we had people get baptized and get the Holy Ghost every month for about four years. And then all of a sudden it got really hard again. I didn't understand what was going on. 
And I began to pray. I said, Lord, what's going on? He said, well, you've defeated the prince of Annapolis, but now you need to defeat the prince of Anne Arundel County. I never heard any of this kind of stuff before. I didn't even know who to ask. So we began to fast and pray, and it was a while. But all of a sudden, there was a breakthrough. And we had two revivals, one with Brother Keith Clark, and about 35 people received the Holy Ghost in two weeks, and another one with Brother Charles Mahaney, and we had 50 get the Holy Ghost in three weeks. So we were off and running, man. It was working. And all of a sudden, late 78, early 79, it got bad. We couldn't get anybody to come to church. We couldn't pray anybody through. It was bad. And we fasted and prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted and prayed and fought and fought and fought and fought. We prayed, did everything we, we had experienced doing. We prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And the last week of November, 1979, I had a dream in the middle of the night. And in this dream... Uh, we had a little church building that we had purchased at that time. Actually, we didn't purchase it. It was given to us. We just had to assume the mortgage. Uh, $265 a month, and every month we had to take a special offer to pay it because we didn't have the money. And in this dream, I walked into the church front doors, and there's a little foyer and a bathroom on both sides. And at about 12 feet, there was a glass a wall, glass sides, and two doors that were glass. And when I walked in the front door, there was this snake about this big around, and he was about six, seven feet long. And he had this strange black and gold pattern on it that in the dream I knew I'd seen it before, but I didn't know what it was. I don't like snakes. Somehow I managed to get around the snake, and I went through the double doors. And, I, and, and at this time we had got rid of everything, and we had chairs with only a center aisle stacked all the way to both, both walls. And I got down to the front, and there were two smaller snakes that looked just like the one on the foyer that were in the altar area. And I got past them, and back back of the platform, there was no Sunday school space. Back of the platform, we had Sunday school in our buses. We'd pick kids up on bus, and then we had a driveway all around the building, and we would park those buses around the building and run extension cords with heaters in the buses. They wouldn't even get off the bus, except we'd switch them around to whatever age group. And it's people would go out and get on the bus, and they'd teach them, even the wintertime, on the bus. And then we'd unplug them all and switch them back to whatever bus they were supposed to be on, and then we'd take them home. They never even came in the building. There was no place to put them. And so we... Uh, um, in, there were two offices in the behind the platform. The left one was one. If you look at the, at the platform, the left one was mine. The other one was just kind of a meeting room, whatever, and uh, wasn't very big. And I don't know how I knew it, but there were brethren in that back room. There were four brethren. To this day, I don't know who the other three were, but there was one I knew and. In the dream, there was one I knew. And I went back to the back, and I said to him, Hey, Ron, there's, we got snakes in our church. Come help me catch them. I don't know a whole lot about snakes, and I sure don't know how they chase snakes in the south, and I don't know anything about rattlesnake roundups or nothing. I read all this after the fact. But 
Ron said, just a minute. And there was a closet in that office. There was a closet in that office. But somehow he knew there was a burlap sack in that closet. So he went to the, and I'd never heard anything like this. He went to the closet, got grabbed the burlap sack. He said, let's go, Pastor. So we go out there. He said, here, hold the sack. So I held open the sack, and he grabbed the first one in the altar area, put it down in the sack, and then he grabbed the other one and put it down the sack. He took it and tied the knot so they couldn't get out. And I said, well, let's go get this one out here. It's only been a few years ago that I read that this is even possible, but this happened in November 1979 in a dream. I thought it was all figurative. I didn't know that there are people that apparently can do this. But we went out there. And he said, I'm going to grab that snake behind the neck. You, you, you pick up his tail and pop it. So I, he reached down behind it, that snake's head. I grabbed its tail and did him like a whip and his head flew off. And when it did, I woke up. And immediately I recognized this pattern. The state flag has two family crests and they're duplicated in opposite corners. Black and gold, black and gold, red and white, red and white. And if you took a diagonal swath out of that black and gold family crest, that's what this pattern was on that snake. And the Holy Ghost immediately, I woke up, I immediately recognized the pattern. And the voice of the Lord immediately said, I've given you dominion over the Prince of Maryland. Well, I, I'm I, I'm in the bed. I didn't get up and shout and dance. I don't I don't know what I was supposed to do. Uh, it's the next weekend again. It's first week in December, and I told a dream. And you know, we had church through December. And the only thing of significance that happened. Remember, I told you the other day the first prayer I ever prayed in my life. I was five years old. I prayed for my dad. Well, that was 1951, and on that last Sunday of December 1979, God filled my dad with the Holy Ghost in our church. We were, forget Sunday school, that, that Sunday morning is the crowd. We were running about 125 men, women, and children faithfully on Sunday night. We'd have a little bit bigger crowd sometimes, a little bit smaller, but pretty much 125 men, women, and children. Starting immediately in early January 1980, we went to church, and all of a sudden the place is flooded. I mean, there was people all over the place. There was no seats left. So the only place to put chairs was in the little altar area. You could only get two rows across, and people had their feet up on the, up, up against the platform. And then it got so tight that if you came in late, sane or center, there was no place for you to sit but the platform. So we brought you to the platform. And we eventually only, we, we were able to leave just an area where I could stand and preach, and that was it. Literally. Over the next two and a half months, uh, we prayed through 30 people in Sunday morning services. On the 13th of March, 1980, 
we started an 11-week, what turned out to be an 11-week revival with Brother Kenneth Small. We went five nights a week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And we moved it to a YMCA hall. There was no room to put anybody out. It was a gymnasium. And we bought 900 folding chairs. And uh, we hauled our organ over there. And we built, we had, we had an altar. We had to have an altar, right? We had an altar. And we bought a piece of carpet, 12 by 24. And every service, we had to set up 900 chairs, roll out that carpet, put that thing down. We had a portable platform. We put it up, put the, put the pulpit up, set up the organ, and set up a set of drums. And after every service, we took all that down. And that was such a hassle, we couldn't hardly have any results because we only prayed through 405 people in 11 weeks, setting all that stuff up every service and taking it down. And I got the cards to this day. We baptized 397 in that 11 weeks. In 1980, we prayed through 551 that year. Well, we ended up renting a warehouse that was about uh, 10,000 square feet. The air conditioning was three garage doors in the back of it, big garage doors. It was all exposed ceiling <laughs> that... Uh, the guy that caught the snake spray painted, built a little platform in the corner, had a baptistry, a horse trough. We have used a horse trough for 45 years. Our baptistry back there, if you want to go look, if you look first glance, it's pretty, pretty nice. Till you open the plastic and look inside, it's a horse trough. Why change when it works, right? Whatever. But, uh, that's where we were. And in 1981, we prayed through 1,034 people in that building. I told all that to get to this story. We had two revivals that were the main thrusts of 81. We went seven weeks with Brother Keith Clark in the spring and had 265 receive the Holy Ghost. And that fall, starting on Sunday the 13th of October, 1981, we started with, uh, I can't believe that, Richard Hurd. And uh, we ended up going nine weeks and quit just a week or so before Christmas. And, uh, in that, in that revival, we prayed through a little over 600. So between the 265 and the 600, in the rest of the year, we prayed through enough to make 1,034. But here's the story. It's the first Sunday morning of that revival with Richard Hurd. He was the evangelist at that time for reaping. He had never had a revival where a 1,000 people got, got the, the Holy Ghost. He knew about what had been happening where with us and so 
I don't know who contacted whom, but we agreed that we believed we, we were going to have a revival where a thousand people got the Holy Ghost in that revival. So I'm up early praying on the first day, Sunday, October the 13th, 1981. Early, I'm up early praying. And I'm, I'm sitting on my couch in the family room praying. And uh, I didn't realize at first I wasn't, I, I was seeing something. Because all I saw was blackness. And it didn't dawn on me at first that, I, that there should have been some ambient light. I had light on the room. I should have been able to see I mean, I got my eyes closed, but I can see ambient light. I can see a movement of my finger even through my eyelids. It didn't dawn on me at first. I wasn't seeing anything. But I was praying, and it was absolutely... (laughs) It was heavy intercession. I don't even know how I had the strength to pray as long as it went. But I was sitting there, and in my mind, I'm going in Jesus' name, and I'm doing this number with my hand. And, and I, I'm praying, and I, I don't even know anything's happening. Till all of a sudden, what looked like this darkness suddenly became dark shapes in a mass, in a cloud. Phew. I didn't even realize I was seeing a vision. And I kept praying, and I kept praying, and the Spirit was praying. I never said a word in English, but in my mind, I'm going in Jesus' name. And when I did, when I kept doing that, that cloud kept moving back. Well, now I'm a little bit inspired. And so it all kind of got ramped up a little bit. And all of a sudden, I didn't know what was coming. All of a sudden, before I knew what happened, that dark, that cloud of darkness made up of all these beings as a mass suddenly disappeared behind this massive set of walls and this huge, the largest set of, uh, of ancient gates I've ever seen depicted anywhere. They were huge. And I, I remember going in my mind, whoa. I didn't know I was making, there was that much progress being made, but I just, I was praying. Well, when they disappeared behind the walls, I mean, everything got bright light. I could see the detail in the walls. I could see the detail in the gates. The gates were huge. I wasn't near the gates. I was, I don't know how far it would have been. I could have been 300 yards, 500 yards. I don't know how far I was. But I suddenly realized I was on some kind of platform because I'm looking down at this. And then in my lower peripheral vision, all of a sudden, I see this huge tree that's been cut down. It's, it's got to be, I don't know, I, uh, six feet in diameter. It was huge. You say, well, what was it doing? Well, there were there were. Six-foot dowel rods that were stuck in the side of that tree on both sides. 
as the entire length of it. I don't know how long the tree was. I, in my mind, I, I can't even imagine how much it must have weighed. But those rods were spaced such that three men could get on each side of each rod. And there, there had to be 500 or more men because they easily picked up that tree. And as, we're, as I'm still praying, and my hand is coming down, and I'm praying, they're running forward with that tree that was shaped into a point on one end and slamming into those gates. I'm going, okay, okay. So I'm praying. And they slammed in the gates and slammed in the gates and slammed in the gates and slammed it. And it looked like it, nothing was ever going to happen. I can't even begin to tell you how many times they slammed the gate and it seemed like nothing happened. And then finally, one, one of the impacts, there sounded like there was a little bit of cracking. And so, you know, they're inspired. And I know in ancient warfare, that had been somebody on the walls pouring hot oil and shooting arrows. There was nothing on the walls. They were not being attacked, but they were attacking those gates. And perfect unity. With everything they had, wham, just, just ramming that gate, ramming that gate. It, it didn't happen quickly. It did not happen quickly. But they kept going. And all of a sudden, there was a loud crack. And then they really got damped up. And the next thing you know, another ram or two, I don't know how many times they slammed into it. All of a sudden, there's Huge, loud, cracking noise. Well, the gates were designed to open outward. And there was a frame on the inside of the door, the gates that theoretically wouldn't allow them to open in. But they had slammed into those gates to the point that they, they cracked all that. And there was some huge, huge beam that was run across the back of those gates to, to prevent that so that they couldn't be swung open. But, uh, but they broke it. And, and the gates broke inward. I was, if I wasn't prepared for all of that, I wasn't prepared for this. I had no idea what was going to happen next. But as the gates broke inward and, and the, the guys with the ram kind of backed up, all of a sudden, those gates flew open wide. And I'm, I, my perspective in looking is such I, crammed up against the plane where those gates was. Packed, all of them facing the gates, therefore looking in my direction. They weren't looking at me. They were just looking at the gates. And they were there was no room between them. It was chest to back as far as, as far as I could see inside those gates. There was nothing but people. And they were all pressed against the, the gates. But every one of them had the most horribly hopeless, helpless look on their face.
And when the gates broke and the pressure of the gate of the, the, that their crowd, it it was them pressing against those broken gates that caused them to fly open. But nobody came out instantly. That 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 group just for a a, a moment of time. There was a hesitation. That initial group that was right at the plane and where the gates were, they didn't move instantly. It was like they couldn't believe those gates were, were open. They had no hope. They were helpless. They were hopeless. Their faces said total despondency. But all of a sudden, the press forced the first people out. And every single one of them, when they crossed the plain of where those gates had been, when they came across that line, every one of their expressions instantly changed. They went from faces of total despondency, hopeless, helplessness, to the most brilliant smile of joy you've ever seen on anybody's face. And they all did the same thing. Instant, instant, uh, uh, call it a smile is, is just an understatement. Radiance, their face just lit up with a, with, with a radiant glow instantly and they started jumping. And they started shouting, we're free, we're free, we're free, we're free. And that press people up against they wanted to come out but they didn't have any choice but come out because when the mass realized they couldn't see the gates anymore now they're pressing themselves toward the gate and that forced all of those people in nearest the gate out of the door out of the gates and not one of them reacted any other way but radiant joy jumping up and down screaming hugging, slapping each other. We're free, we're free, we're free. And this, these gates weren't six feet wide. They weren't ten feet wide. I, I, if I was guesstimating, just it's strictly a guess, they had to have been 40, 50 feet wide total, that entrance. So there was this huge mass of people coming out. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to watch and see how long this continues. Well, at this time, needless to say, the intercession had stopped, but the flow of tongues was there, and there was a flow of rejoicing in tongues and, and, and all that. So, you know, it's it, there's the strange going, and I'm just praying in tongues and in my mind and heart rejoicing, and I'm watching this. And it went on and on and on and on. And on. And somewhere in the back of my mind, something said, if you don't get ready for church now, you're going to be late. And it's like 9.30. I've gone as long as I can go. I didn't know that. 
to whatever that was back. I, and I looked, and it was like 20 after 9, 9.30. We started at 10. So when I started coming to myself and the vision started fading, the voice of the Lord said to me, I, I automatically su- assumed that vision was for the revival we were starting that morning. And the Lord said to me, this vision is not for this revival. This vision is for the revival. Now that was October 1981. This is 2015. I believe that vision is with everything in me to this day. There wasn't anything about that vision that wasn't absolutely as scriptural as it's possible for it to be. But that hasn't happened yet. It hasn't hasn't happened. Well, what about the Ethiopian revivals? You know, I appreciate all that. I really do. But I never had one witness in my spirit that that vision was in any way fulfilled by the all the wonderful stuff that happened in Ethiopia. Upon this rock, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't know what keeps you going. I don't know what gets you up in the morning. I don't know what it is that motivates you to not just be faithful to God, but if you're you, you've come to this and you've pressed and you've, you've responded to everything asked of you. I don't know what it is inside of you that causes you to, to sit here and go through this tenth session and four nights and three days and, and, and just participate, respond, and press. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Uh, but I know what it is, me. I know what it is that drives me, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but in the most positive way possible, that just compels me to do these meetings. We had a prophet show up last year. I didn't know him, never seen him before or since, but he came to inform me that God said, it's time for me to diversify and bring other speakers in for this meeting. And I needed to do a whole lot less of it than I was doing. And my first thought was, demons of hell. Not from a possessive standpoint. It's not mine. He can have it all or part anytime he wants. He can shut it down. We'll never have another one. That's his business. 
But the bottom line is, forgive me, but I've never asked somebody to itch and scratch their itch to make my itch feel better. Do you need an interpretation of that? I can't have the passion to have somebody else preach that passion. And when God's ready for somebody else to preach it, he's welcome to do it. Because it takes a pretty good period of time for my voice to get back to normal and my feet to quit hurting and so whatever. But the bottom line of all of this isn't about me. It's not about you. It's not about this church. This is about him. This is about his plan. This is about his purpose. This is, this is it. You see these guys here? See these guys? Eminently qualified. He'd go into anywhere and do anything. Prophet of God comes in and out of here because this is where God's put him. Pastor. He could go anywhere. Pastor anywhere. Man of God. Businessman. He could go anywhere. Be used to God. Make money. Man of God. Three. Three. Eminently qualified men of God that do, have done and are doing a great work where they are. Do you know why we're here? Because to whatever degree God wants us involved in this, we found people of like precious faith to join up with and say, let's do it. Two of these three guys are from the West Coast. Wouldn't it be great to squeeze the devil like a pimple? I mean, really. You say, Brother Wright, that's pretty crude. Crude? That's a compliment to him compared to what I think about him. Oh, God, Jesus, help us. When are we going to realize, you know what they say about wild animals? They're more afraid of you than you are of them. Well, when this wild animal, if we ever get the understanding that he's more afraid of us than we are of him... Brother Wright, what's about to happen? If I have to explain it, you're not going to get it anyway. Is the portal open? Don't have a clue. 
but we're going to pray till it opens and then we're going through it. And when we go through it, you're going to be start praying against the principalities and powers in your city. Step out in front of the, this. And these brethren are going to cover you with a covering of authority in prayer for your protection and empowerment while you pray. Pray however you're going to pray. Pray however you're going to pray. Let's go. Lord, by the power of the Holy Ghost, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Pray in English. Pray in tongues. Pray in English. Pray in tongues. Just pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We are advancing for the kingdom. And we cover it by the power of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus. By the blood of the Lamb. Do God we are gaining new ground. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. We are gaining new authority. New influence. By the power of your Thank you. 
Get ready. At my signal, we will shout. Come on. Come on. At my signal, we will shout. Come on. In the name of Jesus. There's major stuff happening in this room right now in the spirit. Come on. Come on. A little bit farther. Just a little bit farther. The quickening of your word. Tita Hasikieta. Rubukushatahaya.
We're not done, but I want you to listen just a minute. Psalms 103, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. His, if this was Greek, it would be rhema. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, armies of heaven, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his domination. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This place, and it's been current confirmed to me several times, is so full of angels that you can't imagine. They are waiting for you to speak in your language, not in tongues. Whatever comes in your mind to bind where you're from, whatever comes in your mind to loose where you're from, Bind and loose now according to your faith. And the angels of God are going forth from this place to do what God says right now through you. We're going to bind whatever's already bound in heaven. We're going to loose whatever's already loosed in heaven. Come on right now. You're not praying in tongues. You're speaking. Whatever he gives you to bind, you bind. Whatever he gives you to loose, you loose. Those, the angels are leaving this place dispatched because they're not listening to you. They're hearing the rhema of God, the command of God spoken. Come on. This isn't about feeling. This is about faith. Speak the words of the kingdom. Use the keys of the kingdom. My God, be as specific as what comes into your mind. Be as general as what comes into your mind. But bind and loose as the Spirit of God leads you right now. Come on. Come on. Don't stop till, till it stops coming in your mind what to pray. believe in praying in tongues but I also believe it's necessary for this, us to speak the words of the kingdom we have to speak the words of the kingdom some of you haven't really done this before I know this feels a little weird to you before obey God do not talk in tongues yet speak what he tells you to bind speak what he tells you to loose my God my God my God. Jesus' name. My Lord. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I bind. 
darkness and commanded to loose the minds of the spirit of the people that live in the areas represented in this building right now. I command this blindness and darkness to loose their hearts, to loose their minds. I command that they be set free in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I loose the spirit of conviction upon them. I loose the spirit of the fear of the Lord upon them. I loose the spirit of hunger. I loose the spirit of thirst in Jesus' name upon them. I loose the angels of God and the spirit of God to go forth and lead us to them lead them to us I loose the spirit of harvest I loose the spirit of outpouring in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I loose the spirit of revelation of truth. I loose the spirit of hungering and thirsting after righteousness and truth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the spirit of prayer upon our churches. I loose the spirit of intercession upon our churches. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the spirit of faith upon our churches. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, 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 it's time to pray in tongues again. It's time to pray in tongues again. Come on. It's time to let the Spirit pray through you again. My God. Woo! My, 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 my. Water the seed. Water the seed. Let the Spirit pray through you and water the seed. In the name of Jesus. 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 Okay. Listen to me here a minute. Starting right here. 
you come take this mic if you feel to do it. If you got anything you felt or saw, I want you to come share it right here. We'll start with you. We'll go down the line. If you did, if you don't have anything to share, that's fine. When we first began to pray, I closed my eyes. I saw a cloud that came into the sanctuary, a covering. And there were beings that were illuminated, angels that began to pierce that cloud. And when they hit this atmosphere, they were, they were ejected by twos into every direction. And then when we began to pray this last time, God took me in the spirit 5,000 feet, 10,000 feet from an elevated view. And I began to see those angels go out by twos into the areas that were around all of America and all over the world. One angel went to release the backslider in your area. Your family members, the members of your church that you thought were too far gone, That angel, that first angel went and all those souls begin to take note. And that second angel went and when that second angel hit those areas, the, the black cloud, the same veil that I saw in this place, that black cloud, it was like that second angel hit and that veil rolled back. just going to share what the Lord gave me earlier today. Tremendous submission and tremendous authority. And what I mean by that, all this dying out, all this submitting, all that, it's, it's just like, if I could use this example, a United States ambassador. He, he or she has to do exactly what the President of the United States says. And so there's tremendous amount of submission and they check. And then they recall when they're not submitted. And then there's tremendous amount of authority. And, and last week, we met with uh, another minister, a friend of Brother Gleason's. And he said this. He, he said that we were to pastor the gathered and the ungathered. That the, the unborn, that those were the ones we were to be praying for. And, and, and in this house tonight, there was a tremendous enlightening and loosening of those that have not even been born yet. And you've seen in this nation all of this abortion stuff, all of this this, this Planned Parenthood stuff. And, and I believe tonight there was a tremendous loosening of what God is going to do. The unborn saints of God. Just a moment ago when we were praying and shouting, the Lord just let me see an innumerable host that have already gone on. I saw them, and the louder we got, the, the, the more they were rejoicing. 
It's what we're going for. This is not crazy. Heaven inhabits this. We've got to have confidence in just turning loose and letting it go because there was a connection. I saw people I knew that were shouting on the hills of the glory of Almighty God. They liked what we were doing. And it's like, go, don't stop. There's more to this than you understand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. I have felt it several times during this conference that, and, and, and Bishop has mentioned this, that uh, the reason that you are here is because you have been selected to be here. And when you made the decision, of course, everything is a free will, but when you made the decision that you would come after the Lord prompted to, I just feel in the Holy Ghost that we are looking at special forces. And there have been things that have been accomplished as a group that we have tried to do alone, and it was impossible. But as a group of people that God selected and brought to this place in an angelic host... We have accomplished and tore down walls. We have destroyed enemy that you've been fighting and struggling against. And when you go back to your city, you're going to experience a freedom like you have never felt before. You're going to experience an authority like you have never felt before. The Holy Ghost is going to ratify your position in your city and in your county. And God is going to give us a harvest like we have never seen before. You couldn't do it by yourself so he brought you together in unity and union and together I believe that we have broken the stronghold for each other's city and we are going to see reward for this God is going to establish and reveal his kingdom in your city let's praise God I would just stand here as a voice of witness tonight. Nineteen years ago, I stood in a room like this and heard things like what you just heard right next door here and was not convinced entirely or persuaded that I would hear or see the things that were spoken when I got home. But when I got home, everything that was spoken, every spiritual utterance, things that were spoken over you tonight, they will prevail. You will see them. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. 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 Tonight is a night of activation. And I don't, I don't say this because, you know, this is a, 
my home church, and I'm not saying this to be biased. I'm just speaking what I feel. This is not another conference where you get put in word and you walk out with just a bunch of good thoughts for some messages when you get home. But tonight has been a night of activation. But not just activation, but the other word the Lord put in me, not just activation, but acceleration. That we're so used to waiting and putting seed in the ground and waiting and checking it every day to see, well, is it, has it grown yet? Well, is it grown yet? Well, is it grown yet? Well, is it grown yet? But literally in my spirit, when the seed hit the ground, the moment the seed hit the ground, it began to sprout. And what God is unleashing in this place isn't a season of patience and waiting, but it's a season of activation, but more importantly, a season of acceleration. There are dormant ministries in this place. There are dormant churches in this place. There are people in your church that haven't moved in years. And when you go back Sunday, you're going to look at them and you're going to say, I don't understand what got a hold of you. But they're going to say, Pastor, something's in my spirit. Something got a hold of my spirit. I'm ready to do something. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to go forward and fight. Because there's an acceleration that has gone out in the spirit. An activation. Every dry bone. I say live. I say to every dry bone, live. 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 I say to every dead dream, live. I say to every dead vision, live. I say to every dead promise, live. 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 Hallelujah. We are no doubt living in times we've never lived in before. And I believe it's, uh, see the first or the second chapter of Ephesians, Scripture says, for he hath made us to sit together in heavenly places. Sit together, a sitting, a person that's a sitting judge is a judge in power. A sitting king is the king in power. Scripture said he hath made us to sit together. How good it is that we should dwell together. It's already been said. We've fought it on our own. We came here and there's something different. He hath made us this week again to sit together. Then the scripture goes on over in uh, that same book, Ephesians, in the sixth chapter, I believe it is. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against power, principality, rules of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. That word high places is the exact same Greek word, if I understand uh, that is used for heavenly places. There is a struggle. And the struggle is there are, it's the equivalent of getting on a plane, not Southwest, but getting on a plane where you've purchased your ticket and you've selected your seat and you paid extra to sit where you want to sit. And you get on that plane and you walk to your seat and somebody's in your seat. Paul is telling the church, when he filled you with his spirit, He raised you up out of this earth realm into the spirit realm. And he put you in a place of authority in the spirit realm. Then he goes on over in the sixth chapter. He says, but there is a struggle because somebody wants your seat. 
It's not a flesh and blood battle we're fighting, but it is a battle to occupy the place we're supposed to be. Now, I don't know what's happening at everybody else's house, but my kids went crazy this afternoon about 4 o'clock. My wife texted me. She said, I need to talk to you. I need to know what I'm doing wrong. I said, it's not you, baby. It's a spiritual issue. Now, you've all read, and I'll guarantee you, if you get on the phone and start calling home, those of you that have traveled here, there's chaos somewhere in the dimension of your responsibility. Today, at this particular point, 158 people are dead in Paris, France. They murdered and slaughtered a hundred innocent people locked inside a theater. At the moment that this thing reaches a crescendo here, and we declare war in the spirit, the adversary is doing his business in Paris to a nation that is crippled with fear. That spirit has crippled an entire nation. And when I sat up here on this platform and read that on my phone a minute ago, a spirit of fear hit the front of this building and the adversary spoke to me and he said, it's going to happen in your churches too. It's going to go from the theaters to the churches. That spirit is trying its best to dominate the world. It's not a political problem. It's not a military problem. It's a spiritual problem. And you ask the question, why is it so prevalent now? Because we are doing less about doing our job now in a spiritual dimension than we have in the last 75 years. We've tried to figure out how to have good church without doing what Bishop's been talking about all week long. The only way we're going to fight this thing and win is to do it from the place he raised us to occupy. You can't do it in the earth realm. You cannot do it in the flesh realm. You can't do it here. But in this environment, from our place of authority, we didn't put ourselves there. We submitted to him and he raised us up to a place of authority. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but when I buy my seat and some jackleg rookie sitting in my chair, we got a problem in the aisle on Delta. And when the flight attendant wants to know, Mr. Shelton, is there a problem? Yes. This dude's in my seat. That same attitude's going to have to come over the church globally. Somebody's in my seat. You got to go back to your city and make your mind up. I'm the sitting power here. I'm the sitting authority here. My authority's in charge here that God gave me over this city. Brother Todd Nichols texted me just a minute ago and he said, Y'all declared war here and Islam declared war in Paris. Well, He said, what's happening there is the only thing that is going to stop that spirit. And I think we would be remiss. Yeah. Israel? Are you kidding me, really? You wonder how close we are to his coming? I don't know when he's going to get here. I don't know that. But when has Israel been looked at negatively this badly in your lifetime? At a moment that God has positioned the church to see the greatest move and outpouring and demonstration of the Holy Ghost we've ever seen, there's every reason in the world to be afraid to step out of the shadows and into the light. But I really do feel like, Yolanda, that somebody in here 
this week has come to the conclusion, somebody is in my seat. God made you the authority where you are. God puts you in authority in your city. You're the ruling power there under the Holy Ghost. Brother Schoonover's right. You'll see it happen. Brother Williams, the text you sent me today, somebody writing letters, all the foolishness, they're going to die. You're going to have to bury them more than likely because they won't stop. Mercy has run out. Yeah. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Malorobo Kurata Bahaya. Tie Kie Kalorotaratahaya. Tie Lobo Kurata Tababahaya. Tie Kalorotaratahaya. Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, not even one thing, shall hurt you. If you are actively involved in the battle, you have protection. If you're on spiritual vacation or you have surrendered to fear, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of power and love and right thinking. Save thoughts. Somewhere we've got it in our minds that when God says momentous things to us, we're going to shake and quake and huck and buck and flop like a fish all that just came out of the water. And, and if we don't have all this stuff, it wasn't God. You're wrong. Some of the most significant things God's ever said to me. I just felt a little witness in my spirit. And I believe to this day. Now, about three weeks before the start of this meeting, the Holy Ghost said to me, this is what I'm doing. 
I'm going to give a spirit of revelation. And then I'm going to give impartation to equip to do the revelation. And then there's going to be activation. And then what we've been doing, there will be an application. And I told you the first night, there would then be a sending forth for utilization. At the high possibility of being misunderstood and questioned by especially those not here, I have deep reverence for the role of the senior accountable ministry in a church and their responsibility the senior accountable ministers in a church and their responsibility to give account to God in heaven for the souls under their responsibility. I never knowingly or on purpose do or say anything to in any way breach that trust. And I realize some of you are here without your pastor, bishop, or whatever he is in your situation. And so, in Jesus' name, I submit this final part of this called war in the spirit to your pastor. And I will say to you, do not go home and do things contrary to your pastor. I've said it already. Don't do it. Don't do it. And don't go home and take what you've heard or think you've heard and use it as a weapon against your pastor to somehow try to present yourself as knowing more or being more spiritual than him. Because if you do, you will bring the curse of God on everything you've received. That's not hyperbole. That's not an idle word. That is absolutely 100% the truth. Obviously, if you're pastor or senior ministers here I feel better about that I think you should too okay because there is about to be <laughs> praise God <clears throat> there's about to be and Apostolic sending forth by authority in authority. I don't know what you're going to feel. I'm, I really could care less what you feel or if you feel anything. 
Because authority is not about feeling. And I'm not being negative and I'm not providing an out. I just, you know, <laughs> when you say to your child, don't do that. Do you expect them to go, ooh, I, I feel that, Dad. Okay, I won't. Ooh, yes, Mom, I won't do that. If they did that, you'd go, okay, okay. No, you, you speak the word and you expect that word to be believed and acted on. So here... In a moment or two as we begin to pray, a word of authority will be spoken to send you forth in the spirit, not to an office at home. I'm, I'm so sorry I have to give all this disclaimer, but it's necessary in our current culture, not to an office at home, not to whatever, but just in the spirit a sending forth to utilize for the kingdom's sake what you have heard, what you have received in impartation, what has been activated in you, what you have practiced here. If you go home and don't pray another time in intercession or travail or whatever, you might as well have been someplace at the beach or something. Because this week will hate will mean absolutely nothing. Nothing. And and I said it before, I'm gonna say it again. The reason we come together like this, one of the main reasons, is so we can participate in things that we may not be used to, so that we can become confident in what we're feeling in the spirit so that when we're home alone and the spirit begins to deal with us, we will recognize the same manifestation of the spirit upon us and in us all by ourselves someplace at home as we're feeling here and deep in your spirit it'll go, I remember that. That's, this isn't unusual. This isn't weird. I remember that. And you won't quench it. You will let it flow. So that's why we do this. Okay. Biblically, biblically, everyone commissioned to a mission was sent forth. And the reason I use the term apostolic sending forth is because the word sending forth in the Greek is actually the verb form of the noun apostle. It's just, it's a sending forth. It's a sending forth in authority. By authority, sending you forth in authority, with authority to use in the spirit world. And again, if you're here without your senior minister present, you, you have no right to exercise that at home except under their authority. Praise God. So let's pray.
Let's just pray. You don't have to make a lot of noise. It's up to you. Pray however you want to pray. But when the Lord is ready, we will speak the word of authority to send forth. Father, you have revealed yourself to us. Father, you have imparted through revelation, understanding, knowledge to us. Father, you have imparted gifts and giftings to us to be used in your name for your glory and for the glory of your kingdom. You have you have done these things. Father, you have activated these things in us. Father, we have practiced these things in application, in the spirit, in prayer, and in praying with and for each other. You have already done these things, Father. You've done them. We acknowledge that. We're thankful for it, Father. And now, send us home not as Pentecostals, but send us home as apostolics with your authority, in your authority, by your authority, and with your authority. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, by the authority imparted to me, in the name of Jesus, by that authority, I command you to go forth. I command you to be sent forth by that authority to fulfill the mission. You're part of the mission that God has given you. In the name of Jesus, go forth. In the name of Jesus, be sent forth. In the name of Jesus, be thrust out by the Spirit into the harvest field. In the name of Jesus, I command it to be so. Thank Him for it. Receive it right now. My, 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 my. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, come on, let's give thanks. Real thanks. From deep within us, thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Woo! My, 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 my. My, 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 my. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise you, Father. I praise you, Father. (laughs) I praise you, Father. I glorify you, Father. You are worthy. You are worthy. 
in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I sincerely and deeply thank you for the privilege of having the opportunity that you've given to me in this church and these men of God to minister to you this week. Thank you. You have honored us and you have honored Jesus. God bless you. Uh, Watch the website. You will know here in a little bit. Uh, we, we're going to be. We're going to have to change the the week that we've been using for call to war for next year. Uh, normally, it would be the same week as the election next year, because of the way Thanksgiving fits. But I want you to stay home for the election. And say anything about who to vote for. We don't even know who there is to vote for. But I'll let you know and you can look at it and see if it's the will of God for you to come. God bless you. If you don't, do the work of God. And give God the glory. Thank you. God bless you.